Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Gosh, uh, my blood dropped down to my feet, I guess you can say. Um, it, was, uh, it, it was shocking. This is 57-year-old Umberto Navarro, a San Francisco resident, talking about the moment he found out he was being evicted from his Mission District home under California's Ellis Act. My roommate uh, received some mail, and he kept it to himself for a couple of days because he knew I was in a good mood, and he didn't want to, I guess, ruin the moment. And uh, when he told me, um, it was I was like shocked. I said, what, where the heck did this come from? Why are we getting evicted? I'm Dominic Fracasa, and this is Fifth in Mission. Umberto is among the long list of people facing eviction under the Ellis Act, a controversial state law that allows landlords to evict tenants if they take their homes off the rental market. But a bill working its way through Sacramento could provide renters with some relief. Joining me now to talk about that is Chronicle housing reporter Lauren Hepler. Hi, Lauren. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the Ellis Act itself. How big of a deal is this in the Bay Area specifically? So it's a pretty big deal. I mean, we broke down some of the data. And in San Francisco, this is the fourth leading cause of eviction in the city. If you look back over the last few years, we're talking about um, hundreds of cases cumulatively. And the thing that's tricky is that we know that San Francisco is so expensive. So a lot of the times, if there's a unit where there's one eviction served on an apartment, that could mean evicting three or four people, a couple families who have doubled up to split rent. So what we really don't know is how many people overall are being evicted because of this. But with the current concern about evictions in this odd new phase of the pandemic, um, this is something that lawmakers have signaled, hey, we want to take this on. And at least, as they say, kind of cut off one part of the pipeline, tossing people into unstable housing or in some cases onto the street. So let's actually talk about this new legislation. What does it seek to do and what do you see as its limitations as it stands today? The bill is Assembly Bill 854. It's backed by the South Bay Assembly member Alex Lee, who backs a lot of measures favored by tenant advocates, including social housing, other affordable housing measures. And what he's proposing with this bill is to require landlords to have owned a property for five years before they try to use the Ellis Act. So if a landlord has owned a property since before 2018, this would not apply at all. And it, this would also only apply after some political horse trading to California's 21 cities with rent control. So in the Bay Area, that includes some big ones, San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland, Berkeley, but it doesn't include other suburban or outlying areas. But The real intention here is to crack down on a really specific dynamic that tenant lawyers say they're seeing, which is speculators like corporate landlords coming in and buying up a building and then very quickly, like as soon as the ink is dry type of thing, evicting tenants. Um, And that's what they're really trying to target by requiring this five year period of ownership. So that's really the significance of that five-year span, an effort to prevent uh, uh, speculation, as you said, where people come in, they buy, they flip, 
they boot everybody out. Is that is that kind of the idea behind the five-year line in the sand, if you will? Yes, that's exactly how tenant advocates frame it. And I will say that there was a hearing about this last week in Sacramento, and some landlord advocates said, hey, like we, we do need to think about if there are smaller-time landlords that are trying to get out of the business, would this unfairly penalize them? Or another line of argument was, why are we focusing on this sort of narrow issue when we could be doing more to cut down on housing costs. Um, But what supporters of the bill say is, yes, this is like a a very targeted measure, but it impacts a lot of people in high cost cities. And they also say that they kind of doubt how genuine the argument is about mom and pop landlords, because Like I said, this would apply to folks who bought buildings after 2018, and we all know it's been pretty pricey since then, so um, a lot harder for for everyday folks to get in and buy apartment buildings since then. I want to talk more about that legislation in just a minute, Lauren, Um, but I want to get back to Umberto uh, right now. We heard from him a few minutes ago. What exactly does his case teach us about these types of evictions using the Ellis Act? I think it teaches us a few things. One thing is that Umberto is born and raised in San Francisco around the Mission District. So um, one thing that he's seen is sort of this play out multiple times at different rentals where he's lived over the years. Um, And he said kind of before it happened to him, he had a vague idea of, of what the Ellis Act because he heard of neighbors who'd gone through it or childhood friends. But in his case, it was the form of a manila envelope getting dropped at the apartment. Um, There was a series of notifications, but the formal case started last year in 2020 during the pandemic. And basically it said you have 120 days to be out. You're entitled to some relocation, at least uh, about $6,900 under state law. And then there are additional requirements if folks are seniors, if they're disabled, if they're low income. And, and from there, it kind of became a long protracted battle, which again can be typical if you have a case that actually goes to court. A lot of evictions never end up in court. But one of the things about the Ellis Act is that it does require sort of a formal process. And so by last October, Umberto's case went to mediation and it was settled. Um, the total settlement amount was not disclosed. But what we know is that most settlements in San Francisco tend to average between thirty and $35,000 for everyone living in a unit. Um, in his case, there were three roommates and the original tenant, a woman Maria, had lived there since 1978. And she was actually the mother of one of Umberto's childhood friends. So I think it's kind of a vivid example of somebody who's a San Francisco native who's kind of found a, a pocket of their city where it's affordable, where they can you know, live comfortably. Uh, his last job was working in security at a local pharmacy, but he went out on disability last year after an, an altercation in that role as a security worker. So basically what he's left with is this tough situation where a disability check isn't going to give him, you know, the three times the monthly rent income you need to rent a lot of places in the city. Um, and that's tough because his parents still live here. He has other friends and family that still live here. So right now he's looking at couch surfing and a few other prospects like that. But one of the things that really struck me was Umberto talking about how he's seen the city change overall, which we actually wanted to play a clip of right now. I was born and raised in San Francisco, but this city is not the city that I was born and raised in and crew to love anymore. You know, uh, the gentrification, the Ellis Act, uh, so much uh, people are more people are out on the streets now, you know, as far as being homeless, 
these owners and, and, and landlords, uh, they don't care about the people. They just care about uh, how much money they can stick in their pocket. Let's take a quick break now, but we'll come right back to talk more with Chronicle Housing reporter Lauren Hepler. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. So, Lauren, we know that Umberto is facing eviction in April. Where is he going to go? It's a good question. I mentioned couch surfing. He told me he's been actively reaching out to a lot of different family friends to see who might have a spare couch. Um, and yeah, one reason he needs to stay close, he says right now, is that his his parents are getting up there. His dad's going to be 93 next year. And he said he's suffering from prostate cancer. So he wants to be close. Um, another thing he does worry about is whether, you know, if the couch surfing kind of runs its course, if he'll be another person in the tents that have, have cropped up more and more in, in the mission in his neighborhood. He said he has other friends and family that have gone through evictions that have ended up in shelters. And he's really trying to avoid that because he's heard about violence, about theft. Um, so that's a situation he doesn't want to get into. And what really struck me about his case is that he's going so far as to say he really doesn't see a long-term future for himself in the city. So what he's planning to do in the next year to year and a half, he said, is move to Guadalajara, where he has uh, a lot of family, including his own grown children. And he said it, it's it's a tough thing because he loves San Francisco. He grew up there. It's his hometown. But ultimately, he doesn't really see opportunity there for, for sort of working people. He worried about his children falling in with the wrong crowd in the mission. Um, so for him, it's really like the opportunity is elsewhere. It's sad because I'm going to leave. You know, I've been here all my life pretty much uh, in San Francisco, um, leaving my family here, you know, my mother, my father, my brothers, my sister, all my friends that, that, that you know, that I grew up with and, and, and still have here, you know, I'm already dreading it. So Lauren, let's zoom out of the picture here a little bit. Where do things stand right now when it comes to Bay Area evictions in this weird new phase of the pandemic we find ourselves in right now? I'll tell you, it's a pretty messy picture right now. Um, so the statewide eviction moratorium, which didn't ban all evictions statewide, but it covered a lot of folks who were behind on rent after the pandemic, that expired last fall. So right now we're sort of dealing with the fallout of that. Um, you've got a lot of eviction cases that had been dormant that are starting to work their way back through the courts. Um, I'm hearing there there are some backlogs in some areas, but uh, because you've got old eviction cases and then landlords are bringing new cases, some of them, I'm told by attorneys, are turning to sort of different tactics where they'll say, actually, this is a nuisance issue, like you're too loud and that's why we need to evict you. Or there's other tools like the Ellis Act that we've been talking about. And one thing that is a big predictor of sort of how an eviction case may go is where you're located. So there are still a couple local jurisdictions with eviction moratoriums in place. The big one is Oakland, where you've got a lot of landlords that are frustrated of going on two years of, of no rent in some cases. But in outlying areas like suburban areas, I've talked to a teacher, I've talked to single parents and others who are right up against it with eviction notices, and they really don't know where they're going to go if their city doesn't have any stronger tenant protections. So it, it's kind of a chaotic scene right now, and we don't know in total how many people this is 
is happening to because most eviction cases are sealed under California law. And again, a lot of them don't even end up going to court at all. They're settled informally outside of a court. So really, the last thing I wanted to ask you, coming back around to this this new legislation that seeks to provide renters a little bit of uh, protection uh, against Ellis Act evictions, or, or perhaps we should say Ellis Act evictions um, undertaken in a short amount of time when when somebody buys a property. So, so really, my question is, what happens next with AB eight fifty four? What should we expect? What should we be looking for as this makes its way through uh, through the legislature in Sacramento? So this is an interesting one because we should know pretty quickly whether this bill becomes a reality. It was originally proposed last year, and in that case, the the legislature has to vote by January 31st on whether to advance it out of the assembly. Um, As always, there's a lot of politicking in play with housing bills. Uh, We already saw that some pro-housing groups, labor groups, and pro-tenant groups sort of lined up uh, behind this in a hearing last week in Sacramento, but there was staunch opposition from realtor groups, from uh, the Apartment Association. And that's kind of a divide that we're seeing a lot these days, whether it's something like reforming single-family zoning. Obviously, there's been big rent control battles in the past, um, but which way the state ultimately goes on the Ellis Act could be a really interesting litmus test for the housing battles to come after COVID. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for your reporting on this, and uh, thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you. Our thanks again to Lauren Hepler, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. I'm Dominic Fracasa for Fifth and Mission.